Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. The internet can be both a wonderful and an absolutely terrifying place. On October 16th, 1996, a woman lost her life in a case that has many pointing a finger at the internet and wondering if the man who killed her was really responsible. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Sharon Rena Lapotka was born the first of four daughters on September 20th, 1961 to Orthodox Jewish parents who raised her in Baltimore, Maryland. According to those who knew young Sharon, she was, quote, as normal as you can get, joined a few of the school's sports teams and was part of the school's choir club. After graduating in 1979, she married construction worker Victor Lapotka in 1991 and moved with him to a home in Hampstead, Maryland. Though her parents did not approve of the union at all, many saw it as Sharon's way of, quote, breaking away. In 1995, she began working in online advertising and in addition to hosting websites, like the one that sold home decor by mail for $7, she was paid $50 per ad rewriting with her business called Classified Concepts. She also ran several websites for distributing psychic readings and earned a percentage of profits from sales of other services with premium rate telephone numbers listed on her websites. And these were just the jobs that people actually knew about. There were also the ones that she did under the alias of Nancy Carlson. As Nancy, Sharon marketed pornographic content depicting women who were either drugged, hypnotized, or chloroformed, engaging in sex acts with each other, and even sold her own undergarments for quick and easy cash. Using other aliases, she went on chat rooms on sites like fetishfeet.com and sexbondage.com to fulfill her own sexual desires, 
And in over 50 messages later found on the servers, she expressed her desire to be tortured to death. And for the low cost of $100, she would create a 30-second video for the buyer fulfilling whatever fantasy they wanted. She even, at 189 pounds, posted her request for someone to force-feed her until she reached her goal weight of 475 pounds. Using the Nancy Carlson persona, Sharon marketed herself as a 300-pound disciplinarian dominatrix who worked in pornographic films, much to the dismay of a sex workers' rights activist named Tanith, who, after seeing her messages all over the various sites, attempted to put a stop to Sharon's behavior. She responded, quote, I want the real thing. I did not ask for you preaching to me. While she made many connections online, the one that would matter the most was with a man named Robert Frederick Glass. Through her many postings, specifically the ones where she expressed the desire to be tortured to death on chat rooms about necrophilia, Sharon met many and even on one occasion actually went to New Jersey to see the man in person who, realizing she was serious about her fantasies, refused to help her. It wasn't long, however, until she found a man willing to go the extra mile. Robert Bobby Frederick Glass was a computer analyst for the government of Chautauqua County in North Carolina, who worked there for 16 years, was married to his wife Sherry for 14 years, and had three children to care for. While his life initially seemed to be the picture of domestic bliss, his wife started to notice a little bit later in their marriage that her husband spent most of his free time on the computer. Unsure of what was occupying all of his attention, she logged into his email one day and found several, quote, raw, violent, and disturbing messages under the pseudonyms Toy Man and Slow Hand. The pair separated, but that did nothing to stop Bobby's internet habits. In August of 1996, he met Sharon Lapatka while in an adult chat room and, through their email correspondence, Bobby began telling her how he was going to fulfill her every fantasy, even the one that she harbored that would involve torture and her eventual death. With close to 900 pages of emails between the pair over the course of just six weeks, most of which were sexually graphic and violent, they agreed that Sharon, who lived in Hampstead, Maryland with her husband, would travel the 400 miles to Lenore, North Carolina to meet Bobby in person. On the morning of October 13th, 1996, Sharon informed her husband that she was going to Georgia to meet up with a friend and left behind a note saying that she would not be returning and to not track down a man named Robert Glass. Going further, the note read, quote, if my body is never retrieved, don't worry. Know that I'm at peace. Hoping he would find the note too late to change her mind, Sharon jumped into her car and made the 45-minute drive to Baltimore's Pennsylvania station. She made it to North Carolina by 8.45 p.m. and met up with Bobby, who took her to his trailer in rural Lenore. When Victor found the note his wife left, he immediately called the police. They, in turn, found the six weeks' worth of salacious email correspondence with Bobby Glass and, plain as the day, saw her request and his acceptance, to commit a consensual torture and homicide. For the next few days, police staked out Bobby's home and found no traces of Sharon Lapotka. Finally, on October 25, 1996, a judge issued a search warrant and investigators were able to enter. Inside, they found a handful of items belonging to Sharon, drugs, bondage equipment, 
child pornography magazines, a magnum pistol, as well as trash and toys littering the outside of the trailer. That's when one of the officers noticed a mound of soil about 75 feet away, and when dug up, found what appeared to be female body parts. Robert Glass was arrested and charged with first-degree murder, as well as both state and federal charges for possessing child pornography. Interviewed by the police, Bobby quickly admitted to fulfilling Sharon's fantasy, but said that her actual death was just one huge accident, saying, quote, don't know how much I pulled the rope. I never wanted to kill her, but she ended up dead. The autopsy showed that Sharon died just three days after her arrival, putting her date of death at October 16th, 1996, and that her cause of death was strangulation. Bobby said that they engaged in erotic asphyxiation while having sex, and unbeknownst to him, the nylon cord became too tight and cut off her air supply. The police, not believing Bobby's story, said the entire thing was premeditated and, citing their many, many emails, that he had every intention of taking her life that day. With two very different stories being told, news of Sharon Lepotka's death spread, and those who knew her were completely shocked by the secret life she seemed to be living online. None knew anything about Nancy Carlson, about her fetishes and fantasies, nor about her chat room activities. With the sensational case going public, and with this being the first time a police department arrested a murder suspect with evidence primarily gathered via email messages, many argued over the dangers and consequences of internet-held meetings, with many requesting censorship to protect people online from meeting a similar fate. In the courtroom, Robert Frederick Glass pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and sexual exploitation on January 27, 2000 and was sentenced to 36 to 54 months in prison. He was given an additional 27 months for federal charges of second-degree minor exploitation to be served consecutively. But on February 20, 2002, just one month before he was to finish his state sentence and begin his federal one, Bobby was found dead of a heart attack. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.